Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. Welcome to the Uncensored Empath, a place for us to discuss highly sensitive energy, illness, healing, and transformation. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a life and success coach for empaths who want to create a thriving body, business, and life. Think of this podcast as your no BS guide to navigating life, health, and entrepreneurship. You'll get straight to the point, totally holistic tips from me in real time as I navigate this healing and growth journey right beside you. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome to today's episode. We're back after a short break. And my guest today is Rebecca Sharp. She is a friend, a client, and someone who I think you're going to deeply resonate with. I've heard so many people within the Uncensored Empath community say that they are a recovering perfectionist, that they are sick of being a perfectionist, and they're really noticing how these perfectionist behaviors are showing up in their life and keeping them in a box, holding them back, leading to analysis, paralysis, indecision, these hyper, hyper critical thoughts and internal dialogue that just flat out does not feel good. So I decided to have Rebecca on the show. She is an empath leaders member and has taken several other courses. And as you'll hear us discuss today, has a super exciting project coming out, her journal, Tarot in the Moon, that you will see a link to in the show notes as well. Rebecca has spent the past seven years in the construction industry after obtaining her master's degree in architecture. And while being in this very male-dominated industry, she has learned how to embrace her feminine energy, her 
authenticity and just be who she is. And that's been through this journey of shadow work and connecting to her inner light and light worker. And this, what we often call ascension journey, the spiritual journey, this really just self-discovery path to getting to know yourself better has allowed her to connect to her highest self and her intuition instead of letting perfection get in the way. And now she's on a mission and on her own path to help others do the same, get out of their own way as a type A perfectionist. Rebecca and I relate, we're both uh, Enneagram type threes. And if you are not familiar with Enneagram, that's totally fine. But this is the achiever and the achiever, super achiever, overachiever <laughs> that I also resonate with can show up in so many freaking ways that also feed into that negative self-talk and dialogue. And so in today's conversation, you're going to hear Rebecca and I chat about what it means to be a perfectionist, how to catch when your inner perfectionist comes out. Rebecca uses a really beautiful metaphor during our conversation about all these different parts of you or archetypes within you sitting at a conference table and and trying to decide, trying to, to discern within yourself, like who's leading the show. So you'll hear more about that, as well as her experience working in a male-dominated industry and how she's been able to find find who she is and embrace her feminine energy, even in, in that situation. So super excited for you guys to get to know Rebecca better. And as I mentioned, you're going to learn even more about tarot and the moon as we dive into this conversation today. Rebecca, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you on today. Thanks, Sarah. I'm really excited to be here. Okay, so I want to kick it off talking about how you've actually been in the construction industry for the past seven years and what it's been like, because we're going to talk a lot about uh, feminine energy today, and, and what has it been like working in a very male-dominated industry for you? Yeah, it's been a journey for sure. Um, I think um, I actually just am speaking at a conference on this in a few weeks. Um, the industry as a whole is working to evolve, but it's it's still just a very male-dominated world. And I, even though I have a master's degree, I got hired into the field as an administrator where my, my colleagues in the industry were being hired in, in positions above that. And just this constant feeling like I had to prove myself in a different way from my male colleagues. Um, I just heard it on another podcast uh, just yesterday. I think someone was saying, um, not only do I have to say the right things, but I also have to dress the right way and I have to say it with the right tone. And And it isn't all about work merit at that point in time. There's so many other considerations that go into kind of yeah. every, every bit of the work. Mm -hmm. um, so I really, through a lot of meditating and journaling, had to, had to, come to terms with like what I want out of this experience, not what is the industry telling me to get out of this experience. So mm -hmm. that's super interesting. And you were saying it's there's male dominant, like world, it's not just the construction industry, or maybe like the financial industry or any specific. It's not just any specific industry. We see that in so many different areas. And so 
I love hearing your firsthand experience of what that has been like, especially, I mean, seven years is a long time to be in an industry too, uh, especially in the way things are constantly changing and evolving today. And I'm curious how you've actually been able to harness and embrace your feminine within that process as well. Yeah, I think um, through this year and just a lot of kind of, again, internal work that I've been doing, um, again, I'm like, how can I just show up authentically? How can I show up as myself in this environment and still be taken seriously, still be respected, um, you know, feel like I'm doing a good job? Mm -hmm. But how can I bring my own personality into this more rather than that constant need to try and conform? So a lot of that has been through, to me, some of the more um, feminine energy types of perspectives are like collaboration, creativity, not being super by the book, not always having a very linear plan, but um, some of those more collaborative types of conversations. So I've really tried to bring that energy into my work to try and figure out um, just, yeah, again, how I can show up more authentically and more as myself. Yeah, I am positive you are not the only woman who has felt that like gap before as well, whether it's a male dominant industry or not, um, because we have the statistics that show wage gap. Uh, and I just heard from a friend, she shared a, a statistic with me last week around how women are also leaving the workforce right now just in droves because of COVID and pandemic and uh, schools being shut down and everything as well. So I think this is a very like pertinent topic to be discussing and really seeing the effects of it in our entire society uh, and also the workforce as well. And I, I would just be curious too, like what has allowed you to, to stay even when things have maybe felt really uncomfortable or edgy for you, or it became really apparent that like you were using the example of men with similar qualifications and master's degree were getting uh, higher positions from the get-go when you first entered. What is that? What has that been like? Yeah, I think, um, Sarah, I know that you're an Enneagram 3 and I am also. (laughs) And I think there was so much of this like, I'm going to prove them wrong type of mentality. And just like, I'm going to push past this and I'm not going to let this stop me. But in some other way, I also let it define me and like kind of keep me in a box where it was like, I'm going to prove them wrong. And I'm stubborn enough to where I'm going to like make this work. But I'm just a woman in construction. So that label automatically kind of like kept me in this other box that I allowed myself to stay in. Um, And this year has really been about like breaking out of that and not letting that like victim mentality or not letting that label define something specific about what that meant for my career. Yeah. I deeply resonate with all the different aspects of an Enneagram type three. If anyone listening is an unsure, is unsure what that really means. The, the archetype is around the achiever, the overachiever, the super achiever. And you also mentioned, Rebecca, that you're an achiever, uh, and strategic on like the strength finders test and a manifesting generator. And so this is, like in your blood, in your internal programming, right? To like work hard and to to set big goals. And I'm curious, 
how has that perfectionism or that achievement and that drive, that motivation within you helped you, but also hindered you? I know I'm sure it has done both because I've seen that in my own life experience too around. There are ways this has served me, but there's also ways that like you were talking about that box that it was holding you into have really constricted and held you back. I'd love to hear both perspectives. Yeah, I... On some days, I'm really thankful to be a perfectionist. And on other days, uh, I definitely feel the the wrath of the pain of <laughs> what that feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in certain ways, it has helped the quality of my work be excellent. You know, I hold myself to a higher standard than anyone else even has the capacity to do. And so I produce good quality work. I work really hard. Um, I think that's helped me excel in my career and and grow, um, you know, kind of on that corporate career path. Mm-hmm. Um, but in other ways, it's super limiting. And it can be almost debilitating to be stuck in that indecision, where you want to make the quote unquote, correct decision, the right decision. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that, that kind of analyzation can can trap you to where you can't actually make the choice because you never know which one is going to be again quote unquote correct yeah that analysis paralysis i think it comes up for every perfectionist i uh there's a what's it called i think the book is a man's search for for meaning i believe that's the book and there's this metaphor of literally like opening a folding chair, putting it in the in the middle of the road and just taking us taking a seat on it because you don't know if you're supposed to go down the left path, the middle path, the right path, or however many options are are laid out in front of you. And therefore it's just feels safer for our nervous system as a perfectionist to just pause and stop and not take the action. And I think so many people see their perfectionism as something that that you know it's like oh my perfectionist is coming out and they're like mean they're mean to that part of themselves and and they like disown it and they're like I shouldn't I shouldn't feel maybe that drive to be perfect but I think it's important to realize that while it can hold us in a box and it can certainly be the folding chair and the the fork in the road and it it can hinder you like you were talking about in your experience, there's ways that it can also benefit you. And I believe that at some point in time, we made the decision that we were going to strive to be as perfect as possible for a reason, not just for shits and giggles, like for some reason to protect us, to keep us safe. And oftentimes that's rooted in maybe a traumatic experience. So Rebecca, I'm curious if you have any memories of like when that perfectionism first began for you or any conscious indication and sensing of why it originally served you to have perfectionist behavior behavior. Yeah. I've done a lot of exploring on this this year through shadow work, through EMDR work, through a variety of of ways to try and unlock that. Like why do I have this consistent theme as an individual that I'm not good enough? And I ha- I haven't gotten to one specific instance or or event uh, yet, but I'm the youngest of three. And I feel like that enough (laughs) is a way to say like, 
I want my sisters to like me. I want to play. Mm-hmm. Like I want to be part of the group. I want to, you know, make everyone like me in this family so that I can be one of the the older sisters too. And um, you know, just this constant need to kind of want to please people and, yeah. and have like that started at a very early age, just being the youngest of three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to want to fit in. It's like, well, if I'm this way, or I act this way, or if I do things quote, right, then they'll accept me, then I'll fit in, then I'll be more loved or likable, which are natural human instincts. But it's almost like the subconscious minds puts this, like laws, rules, regulations around who we have to be in order to get those things. Yeah, and I kind of like to think of, I like to think of all these aspects of my personality sitting around a conference table. Mm, I love that. Because I work in corporate and so the conference table like makes sense to me. Uh And there's different parts of it leading the meeting sometimes. Sometimes my fear, you know, is at the head of the table. Sometimes my perfectionist self is at the head of the table. We all have these little aspects of ourselves. And so when I can realize that, and when I can really kind of bring that to the forefront, then I can say like, I hear you perfectionist self. Thank you. Thank you for being there. Thank you for getting me where I am. But I need you to like step aside and let another other other people speak up at this conference table to to have a say, um, rather than letting them just keep continuing to run the meeting. I have recently been using Blissoma skincare products and there's a super fun quiz when you go to their website and you can discover which plant is your perfect match because all these plants have personalities and energies as well. I took the quiz. I got marshmallow, which I think is so funny. And it's a perennial herb with a strong root system, flower stalks that extend four feet tall and It's all about being the ultimate caretaker, and I find that I definitely apply that to my skin routine as well. So Blossoma blends whole herbs with radical compassion to create profoundly balancing skincare, which is especially important for people like myself who tend to be on the extra sensitive side with their skin. The product I'm loving right now is the Omega Miracle Facial Oil, and it has over 10 oils cold pressed and unrefined from these very rare seeds that are the perfect weight on your skin and what I found are just super, super healing. And it is as it sounds. It's pretty much good for everything. It's the miracle oil that's going to be used as a final layer on top of your moisturizer in order to help renew and replenish your skin. I'm super excited because I've been loving these products and I paired up with Blissoma to offer you 20% off all oils and serums with the code empath. Simply go to blissoma.com. That's B-L-I-S-S-O-M-A.com. Definitely take the quiz. Let me know what you get. And then also use that code empath for 20% off your order. It seems like based on, um, you know, there's all these different personality kind of uh, type quizzes, right? And you shared a few of yours and the results you have. So it seems like a lot of the voices at the table would would lean more towards perfectionism. And I'm curious, uh, what are like the telltale signs and hints for you that you can notice in your behavior or your thoughts that like, oh, that's one of the perfectionist voices coming out? Is there a way for you to 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 catch it? 
Yeah, I have started catching it a lot more recently. A, when I start to get stuck in indecision, like mm-hmm. I was just buying my husband his our first wedding anniversary present and just dwelling and dwelling and dwelling. <laughs> and then um, I caught myself dwelling on it for too long, but I also caught myself wanting to ask someone else's opinion of it. Mm-hmm. And that was like a big trigger to me of like, do I actually need someone else's approval for this to make it? appear as the correct decision yeah or or like what am I looking for in that approval for someone else or that or the other person's opinion mm-hmm. so that was a big another big trigger to me was the want the need or the desire to to reach out to someone else for their input yeah going back to that analogy of, of the conference table just because I think that's so clear and we can all think about who sits at our own conference table and mm-hmm. what are those different voices that might lead the show run the meeting at any given given time what would you say at least for you are are the the some of the more maybe supportive or loving voices that you try to then tap into when the perfectionist is like really loud and critical and like in that indecision or whatever the behavior is yeah i think definitely kind of like the nurturing loving side yeah. Where there is like a thank you, like, thank you, perfectionist. I do appreciate that you're here. And I appreciate that you're at the table. I don't need to criticize that. Like, I do appreciate you. Mm-hmm. But there's also um, a very kind of reasonable side to myself. That's like, this just doesn't matter. Why are you spending your energy on this? Mm-hmm. One of the big kind of questions I like to ask myself is, Will this matter in five minutes, five hours, five days, five weeks, five months, five years? And use that to prioritize like where my energy goes. If it's not going to matter in five hours or five days or whatever, let it go. Just make a decision to move on because whatever the decision is, doesn't actually really matter. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like, and I don't know, but I'm just curious your take on if you feel like sometimes the taking action in the face of the critical, fearful, perfectionist voice is sometimes what gets us like through to the other side to healing the perfectionist is just being like, I, I see that you're being super critical. I like even with the gift that you were talking about the first anniversary gift for your husband and just being like, take action anyway. Uh, do you feel like that's part of the breaking the the like rigidity of the inner perfectionist within us i think it can be however i do think that as a perfectionist we can also dwell on like did i make the right decision was that the right thing even after (laughs) that's true linger on it for a really long time so i actually feel like um separating yourself from that a little bit and getting over to like your values, meditating, prioritizing where your energy goes mm-hmm. is, a, is a better way to work with some of your perfectionist tendencies yeah. because there is still such a, a way for it to linger around even after that. Mm-hmm. That's made. such a good point where you're like, okay, I just jumped into the pit of flaming fire anyways, like screw you perfectionist. But then you're like, 
oh, wait, like, why did I do that? Or was still that internal dialogue of like, was this the right choice? Was there a, a warm bath that I could have jumped into instead? Right. What's the return policy? How can I, you know, like yeah. all questions just like keep going. So mm-hmm. can you, I would love just because I think that the perfectionist archetype within so many of us uh, shows up in so many different ways. Can you talk a little bit about how that has showed up more specifically for you and your, your journey, your health, your life, your relationships? Yeah, you know, I think it's been there for so long where it's just this constant need. I feel like mine has shown up a lot actually as a need for other people's approval. Yeah. And really needing to make straight A's and have a good career and make, you know, X amount of money and have this type of relationship or whatever as a way to gain other people's approval of me. Mm hmm. That makes a a lot of sense. And I see that in my own journey as well around having that achiever in me too. Wanting to more than anything, just be perfect in order to receive love Mm -hmm. and acceptance, acknowledgement, to just hear those words of like, I'm proud of you. And again, the rules inside my own head that were created at some point that said, in order for that to happen, Sarah, you need to be perfect. And then that definition of perfect sounds similar, at least to yours around uh, having a successful career. And for me, it was looking a certain way and uh, having a, a like even just a partner that my family liked and all of these different things that were also based in control. Do you see control coming out for <laughs> for you as a perfectionist as well? It does. And something you just said, like, I definitely caught it where you said you made those rules up in your head. Yeah. You know, nobody else, like we inflict a lot of this on ourselves as achievers and and perfectionist type people where we think these are expectations that other people are putting on us, but we're putting them on ourselves. Yeah. Um, So I just wanted to to point that out. But um, definitely control comes along with it for sure. You know, just the need to control my own actions in such a way that they are going to meet the quote unquote requirements of being right or perfect or, or whatever. Yeah. And control is also very much in the masculine energy of, okay, here's the linear path that I'm going to take and I'm going to do it in order. And my, Mm -hmm. my end goal is this, and I'm going to get there come hell or high water. It's going to happen. I'm going to have control over every step of the process. And so, so the, we started in the beginning talking a little bit about the feminine energy and I'd love to circle back to just how the feminine energy can be so nourishing, nurturing, supportive for the recovering perfectionist. How have you seen that play out for you or for people in your life? Yeah, I feel like uh, meditation has been one of my biggest shifts this year, specifically having that time that isn't planned where mm-hmm. I don't have to achieve anything where I don't that I don't have to accomplish anything that time is just for me to be here and to be present and that's the only point of it has been imperative for me to really like shift my mindset and really understand again like what those values are what those priorities are 
um, it just brings everything into perspective a little bit when you can really devote that time to just being. I just am. I'm not a woman in construction. I'm not an achiever. I don't have to fit any of those molds at this time, at those times. I just am. Yeah. And that can be so freeing and like so liberating. And it's, it's so against, I know for at least myself and my life experience, what, how I was brought up and like what I was taught to do is just do, do, do. And there wasn't a lot of emphasis on the B and the dropping of those labels that you were mentioning and having unstructured time and not having a plan. And for me, when I started to step into the more of the B versus the do, the, the feminine instead of the masculine, it was actually quite jolting. Like, oof, is this safe? Uh, it, like my achiever voice came right back up to the surface and was like, you're lazy. You're not productive. Like you're wasting your time. And it got, it got mean. And have you noticed any of similar internal dialogue and, and how, did you were you able to transition more into that be energy and allow there to be no plan and and allow it to still feel safe because i think that's where a lot of people struggle is they're like is it really safe to stop doing does that make sense mhm it does um but for me it became i'll use the word again imperative as part of my my being. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I just kind of like need that now. I need that break where I'm not off like I'm not putting so much pressure on myself. Yeah. To do or be certain ways. That's a great point. And so many of as you know, my listeners have a journey with chronic illness or autoimmune disease. And sometimes our body literally forces us or shows us in like big glowing neon lights and in our intuition, like slow the fuck down. Like this is not a choice anymore. You have to slow down. And I know I had a huge cycle of, of, of burnout over and over again in order to really um, integrate that, that lesson until it finally was like, okay, this being period, this being time is just as productive and, and beneficial that as my doing time that my inner achiever was so ad- honestly addicted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think through through that, I mean, a lot of it was meditating. Again, I mentioned like some shadow work, journaling. Sarah, I've taken a lot of your courses and, and work inside of your containers with breath work and things like that. Mm-hmm. I realized going back to the very beginning of our conversation again, like, how do I want to structure this? So I'm getting what I want out of my career and I'm not just continuing to fit the mold of what the industry is expecting of me. Yeah. And once I realized that and I was able to kind of break out of that box that I was keeping myself in of being that woman in construction and trying to fit this mold, I literally called a friend, a colleague of mine in the industry and I was like, I don't want to play the victim anymore. Mm-hmm. And like two weeks later, I had a new job offer. I was invited to speak at a very large conference in the industry. I was invited to sit on a construction podcast as well. Your podcast came shortly after. And like all of these things just started falling into my lap once I could release the control and be like, okay, I'm open to something outside of what's happening right now because it isn't working for me. All right. I don't know about you, but part of being a perfectionist is 
trying to look a certain way. And I know I've obsessed over my hair for far too long, spending way too many hours <laughs> researching and also buying products that just straight up didn't work. And I'm super excited to, to introduce to you a new partner of the Uncensored Empath Podcast Function of Beauty because this finally stopped my search and started to help me get over my damn self because it works. And Function of Beauty is hair care that's formulated specifically for you. I know so many of you as listeners also struggle with skin sensitivities and allergies and maybe celiac disease like myself. And so you're looking for non-toxic, clean products. And Function of Beauty's formulas are vegan. They're cruelty-free. You can pick options for them to be gluten-free. There's never any sulfates, parabens, or any other harmful ingredients. And it's super freaking cool because it is completely unique to you. So they create shampoo, conditioner, and optional treatments as well to fit your unique needs and your hair type. So for me, I have really fine, thin hair. I'm constantly trying to find, like I said, for so many years, the search was on for volumizing products, but also gluten-free natural hair care that actually works and doesn't leave my hair greasier than when I got into the shower. That was a huge problem for me in my search for the perfect shampoo and conditioner. And this is finally a product that makes my hair feel clean like it's supposed to after you use shampoo and conditioner. Uh, Function of Beauty has over 54 trillion possible ingredient combinations to make sure that your formula is specific to you. I went without any coloring and I just did their natural scent of eucalyptus essential oil and I'm obsessed. The bottle even comes with your name on it. <laughs> so first you take a quick but thorough quiz, tell them a little bit about your hair and your needs. Then Function of Beauty's team determines the right blend of ingredients. Also, according to what you selected, you don't want in there. And then they create this custom formula to order with your name on it. And it is personalized and delivered right to your door in that customized bottle. And you can pick a color and a fragrance if you choose. It's super fun. It was very fulfilling. The whole process made me excited, made me excited to wash my hair, which is something that I do not normally get excited about. So if you're interested, go to functionofbeauty.com slash empath to take your four-part hair profile quiz. And then you also will save 20% on your first order. That's functionofbeauty.com backslash empath for 20% off and let them know if you heard about it from our show. That reminds me, probably like six years ago at this point, maybe five, I had an energy healer. It's so simple and it's so obvious, yet for me, it was a giant aha moment. And she said, Sarah, control is limiting. And I was like, what? Control is safe. It's empowering. Control is the way I'm going to live my life. And she's like, no, when you are trying to control all of these different areas, buckets of your life in every single damn way, you are closing yourself off to so many additional opportunities. So much, so many things that are like great instead of just good. And it just, it like clicked for me in that moment of like, oh my God. I am. By thinking I have all the answers and thinking I know what's best for me, I'm actually 
holding myself back from the growth that could be right there on the other side if I stepped into more of that feminine, that release, that surrender, instead of trying to grasp so hard onto that control. Just reminded me of that when you were saying all these opportunities are now opening up for you as you start to surrender and you start to drop into the control. And I know for some people, surrender sometimes has this um, has a different definition of like the white flag, I, I give up. And the way I'm talking about surrender is more like, I, I release control. Mm-hmm. I release control and I open up to the possibilities that are on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think another just kind of feminine energy realm that I've started enjoying is kind of working with the moon cycles and using that for intention setting and like really paying attention to the phases of the moon and how that can play into the phases of intention setting and manifestation and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious just how you have, I think of, of the moon as something that is so, so feminine and it's so cyclical, like our, our female bodies and our hormones and our menstrual cycles that for me, when I, before I got pregnant at, there was the, the, my menstrual cycle was, absolutely in sync to the day with the moon. It was so freaking amazing and fascinating. And so what? Are, how have you been able to harness that power and the feminine energy with the moon? Yeah, so I just started, you know, a lot of a lot of this work that that we do inside your container and things like that is learning to trust our intuition. And I was just feeling this draw towards the moon. Mm-hmm. And so I just paid attention to that feeling. And I started um, understanding what the phases were about, how to work with them. And I actually just published a journal this year um, that kind of combined, and we can talk about it in a little bit, but kind of combines moon phases with your tarot oracle card practice. Mm -hmm. But um, one thing I was just thinking about when we were talking about masculine and feminine is I almost feel like the journal allows kind of a balance between those two because it's all about the moon phases, but it gives you a structured approach to the moon phases. Yeah. Okay. The new moon is for intention setting. Mm -hmm. That is the part that I'm going to do today. The crescent moon is for focusing on the details of that intention and really digging into that. And the journal kind of prompts you through those those moon phases to think about each one of those steps. And so it brings a little bit of a plan into that super feminine energy world. Yeah. And we need that blended approach, right? So if you're constantly in the masculine, you can see just even from our examples around like burnout personally, like that's not going to serve you. If you're only in the feminine, you're never going to be taking any action or setting the actual intentions with the new moon. And so that blended integrated approach is really what allows each of us to, because we each, we all have that energy of masculine and feminine within us naturally, even if we tend to lean dominant in, in one way or the other, regardless of gender, uh, to be able to bring it back into this like wholeness, this integration to be able to... For me, it feels really powerful to have that balanced approach. And I'd love to... I don't know if you have the journal anywhere nearby or you can, if you have any of it memorized off the top of your head, but I love an example of, of even like a page or uh, one of the exercises you have of what would you do, let's say, like on a new moon? How would you pair that with your oracle or tarot cards in order to be able to see like clarity, guidance, set that new intention in that that phase, that cycle? 
Yeah, so most days are just a half-page journal area with prompts specifically around the phase of the moon. But for the new and full moon, I have full two-page spreads for journal space. And some of the questions specifically around the new moon, as you just mentioned, are what are my intention? How do I feel today? Which is um, which is on every single date of the whole year. So you can like check in with your feelings compared to the moon phase. Yeah. We'll get really like jazzed up and energized during the full moon. Some people get really tired, you know, understanding those phases that we go through throughout the month is just a really great way to to do that quick check in with yourself. Um, How can I create abundance in my life is another one for the new moon. Again, what is my intention for this cycle? So for the next 28 days, what am I really trying to accomplish? How can I accomplish that? And then a space to what I will call draw your spread. So when you have tarot oracle cards that you're using and you want to do three cards, you want to do a cross, you want to do, you know, whatever type of spread you want to do. I like to draw them out because I'm a visual person and see like how I, um, how I drew them for that phase and then use that to really inform. Yeah what you need to know that day, how is this going to affect your cycle? Wh- whatever question you end up asking the cards that day yeah. for the cycle. But is there a deck that you recommend using with the journal and in, in these different questions and spreads? Or is it like super open? People can use a different uh, deck anytime. People can use a di- different deck anytime. There are the other kind of unique thing about the journal is there's a tracker, what I will call a tracker. So on January 1st, it is a crescent moon. And I pulled the world and the emperor and the four cups. And you can like mark that and do a chart or whatever. Um, And then the next day, it's still a crescent moon. And you pulled three other cards and you can mark them on a chart. So again, it gives you a really visual view of what cards you've pulled. But you can also write in your own oracle card on that same tracker. So if you're using Oracle cards instead of tarot, mm-hmm. you can write in your own Oracle deck and track the cards that you're pulling from that instead. And then again, every day, there's a couple of consistent questions, which is a reflection, just a reflection from the day, your intention to remind you every day of what your intention is. So you're continuing to write that every day, how you're feeling, which we talked about with the moon cycle, and then what deck you're using. So you can always remind yourself which deck you're using. Yeah. And because and, I switch my decks up all the time. Same. But I like to kind of remember what deck I pulled from. And, and sometimes I like to go back to the cards and just like, whether it's looking at them again and using my own intuition to interpret, or there's a couple decks that I do really use the the accompanying guidebook with. Not many of them, but there's a couple that I often pull that book out and, and like to go back and like read and remember some of those, some of those things. I'm This is a personal opinion, but I'm curious how your, your take is on this just because we're talking about tarot and Oracle. And I feel like tarot has a slightly more masculine energy, whereas Oracle has a more feminine energy. And my reasoning behind that is that the tarot is more, it's more defined, like they have more set in stone meanings, uh, interpretations behind like you mentioned, the the world card or the the fool or the tower or something versus Oracle 
and maybe this is just the way that I use them and I interpret, but I use Oracle in a way that's uh, a little more fluid, I guess, and open, open to interpretation, open to my imagination and whatever I'm intuiting or picking up on the card. Do you, do you feel that way? Or do you feel differently? I don't feel differently. I think that's a great way to describe it. I have had several friends ask recently, and I will be doing a a live soon on the difference between tarot and oracle because they are really different. And so I think that's a great way to explain them because the tarot is so much more structured and like has, has more what I will call rules around it. Or, I mean, it's, it's such a longstanding tradition that of course it has that built in. Exactly. It goes way back. Like there's such a, a long standing history and even just, I teach this inside of Illuminated, the whole history of like how like cartomancy and how tarot and Oracle cards were come to like be created. And it's fascinating. And tarot has been around for longer and the cards have also just stayed um, consistent in the same over so many like over, I think it's a couple hundred years. So whereas, you know, I could create my own Oracle card deck today and and it birth it brand new into the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think even within my own experience, I feel like it tends to be a more feminine energy led experience. If I draw the card and sit with it and look at it and think about it rather than reaching for the guidebook and looking for what they're telling me that the meaning is, yeah. which I feel like is kind of a more masculine energy of like, pull the card, read the answer, move on. Mm-hmm. But but bringing some of that fem- feminine energy into with really sitting with it and like letting your intuition tell you what that card means for you. Yeah. 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 You mentioned before that, and I'm so deeply honored to have you in several of the Uncensored Empath courses and the Empath Leaders membership. And just that there's parts of those journeys that have helped you to get more clear and confident in your path, your journey. And I'm curious if there's any tools that you are feeling inspired to share stories that you would want to share with the audience today. Yeah, one of the groups I'm super thankful for is your Empath Leaders group. Um, that's a monthly membership and, and with you, you can explain it better than I can, but we have a breathwork session, a group coaching call, you know, benefits to some of your other courses, several, several benefits. But one great thing I've gotten from it is the community inside of that group yeah. and the other women that are there working with you and what we can learn from each other. Um, how we can work together to collaborate in this community and do giveaways together or promote each other's work on Instagram. Um, that community has, has built a really special connection in that way, which has been really, really cool. Um, you guys have, I feel like the, you amazing women inside have given it a life of its own that I wasn't even expecting where it's just so. I, my heart just feels so warm and full every time I see you guys collaborating or holding each other accountable. Or you mentioned you were like chatting with Natalie over the weekend. And I'm like, Oh, I just fucking love this. Cause there is this life that it does like take on in this community that is so supportive and so beautiful that I think in the year of 2020, especially we crave more than ever is that connection and sense of belonging somewhere in this crazy fucking world. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't even know if you know this, Sarah, but some of us inside that group formed accountability partners with each other. And so Natalie's my accountability partner. Ah! (laughs) That's 
made it another way to like check in with people again about our intentions or what we're trying to manifest or what we're working on and what our goals are and have some of that accountability to it as well to where we want to follow up with it because there's someone else checking in with us about it. Yeah. So. Oh, I love that. And I, I didn't know you guys did that. <laughs> See, it's so freaking cool. Okay. So we're at the top of our time, but uh, we were going to end just, there's a, there's a new moon that when this episode gets released, will have just happened and it's new moon in Libra. And uh, we were going to pull a card. You're going to pull a card and just give the listeners, the audience some insight into the energy and guidance around this new moon. As we were just talking about tuning into how your body feels, because it's not necessarily the same as everyone else's during any certain time of, of the cycle or the year or whatever um, is a really great way to just even start to get more into that being and that feminine and noticing uh, being in uh, even just like this witnessing of yourself. So you want to do that now, Rebecca? Yeah. So I'm using the Starseed Oracle today. Um, by I love Rebecca that Campbell. one. I love this deck. It's just a, especially for people who haven't done a ton of work with cards. To me, I feel like this is a super approachable deck and I really enjoy the messages from it as a yeah. whole. So I'll throw that out there too for people who are kind of new to that or to cards in general. Mm-hmm. I pulled a star bathing card mm-hmm. on it. It says light body, crystal grid, transmission and activation. And the, the word activation is super standing out to me as part of this conversation with just all the actions that we can take to connect more with our higher selves and get rid of some of the kind of like worldly pressures or perfectionist stuff that we're putting on ourselves. Yeah. And it, it, I almost see this card as like a call to action to like, get out of your head and connect with your higher self and like connect more with the the universal truth. Yeah. That's standing out to me. I don't know if you're getting anything else. I am so on board with that. And the visual that's coming through that kind of represents everything you just said in my mind's eye is back to that conference room table where we have all these different voices inside our head and the activation part being like, okay, so I'm going to consciously intentionally choose that the head of the table is more of this like universal intelligence and the intuition and this nurturing feminine like figurehead uh, kind of queen energy that is going to or you're inviting to uh, run run the show. And even if that's brand new for somebody, like trying that on for size and just seeing how that does sit and, and how your body responds to it uh, in order to... What was it? Star bathing, right? I just feel like that's such like a warm, like warm blanket of like stardust around us right now that we can step into if we consciously choose. Yeah, for sure. Mm, Well, thank you so much. Uh, We have a couple little uh, announcements for the listeners today. So Rebecca is going to share uh, how to find her journal and also some amazing bonuses that you guys can get. Yeah. So my website is findyoursoulspark.com. I work with perfectionist as a as a coach on just kind of getting out of your own way, getting rid of some of those limiting beliefs that are that are holding us back and really being able to connect with your soul purpose. But the journal that we talked about is for sale on 
that website, which again is findyoursoulspark.com. And there it's a pre-sale right now. So the book will not ship until December, but there's kind of an ongoing promotion on the website where the first 75 people who purchase, which there's still a couple of those left. So still a couple out there for your listeners, um, hopefully by the time this airs, which is a book, a bookmark to use with the journal, a small bottle of cedar wood oil, which is great for grounding, a crystal of various kinds, whatever crystal you're supposed to get, you'll get. And similar with a manifestation card with a message for you. Um, everyone gets a, a, a different message. So that kit is available as part of the pre-sale promotion. But Sarah, for your listeners specifically, wanted to offer an extra incentive, which is a free year-long membership to Thrive Market, which is kind of a one-stop shop for organic food, clean beauty, non-toxic home supplies, all delivered kind of straight to your doorstep. So for the first 30 listeners of yours that use the code EMPATH at checkout, I have a free year subscription to Thrive Market, which is a $60 value. That's amazing. Thank you so much for just showering our listeners with love and for also being able to, to share with us this amazing project that I know as a workbook author over here, just how much goes into that process. And it is a labor of love. I'm so proud of you. Congratulations on getting this out into the world. I've also, you guys, seen uh, a little sneak peek of it and it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. We'll put the link in the show notes. And Rebecca said that code is empath if you want your extra bonus when you pre order and, and ships in December. Rebecca, thank you for being on the show today. As always, just so fun to connect with you and, and hear your, your wisdom. I really appreciate it. And one last note I forgot to mention pre sale ends October 25th. Perfect. So you uh, have like six or seven days to get in on, in on it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. So get your orders in before the end of the day, October 25th for those extra incentives. Perfect. I appreciate you, Sarah. I appreciate all the things I've gotten from you and your containers mm. and all of the support. So thank you so much for having me. All right. So I know most of you have at some point at least thought if not have worked with a psychic or a medium on your journey. I've worked with many, but honestly, it's so hard to find someone who I've resonated with and who I trust. So I'm super excited to introduce you to Emily, the medium, and she has a brand new podcast where you can go and you can get intuitive guidance. And she is someone who is going to show you how to take your gifts to the next level and help you understand how to connect with loved ones after they've passed. Honestly, I never even thought about working with a psychic until after Jordan died. And once he passed, all of these questions popped up into my mind. And more than ever, I just wanted to be able to connect to the energy of his soul and his spirit and that, that amplified even more with Joe as well. And Emily the Medium so beautifully steps into lead you in conversations while channeling the divine and expanding beyond what is accepted as the truth. On her show, she's going to help you open your connection to source and learn to trust your innate abilities as well. Go check her out. 
As always, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Uncensored Empath Podcast. If you guys ever want to follow up or connect, just know my DMs are always open to you. You can find me at the Uncensored Empath on all social media platforms. I love, love, love hearing from you and love seeing when you guys share your favorite episodes. As a reminder, there is an Empath Vibes playlist. It is private and hosted on Spotify. To get access, simply leave a five-star review on iTunes or the Uncensored Empath podcast. Screenshot your review before you submit it and email it over to my team at support at theuncensoredempath.com and we will get you access to this ever-growing playlist.